Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harlow, and we're keeping score, a special edition of the 15 to Watch Philanthropic Moments of the Decade, the Decade in Review. Any one of these could be number one. We had to choose a couple. 15 was the Play for Justice initiative led by the Sacramento Kings. Zeke jumping in a kettle. Rock and Roll Marathon series. Megan Rapino, MLS kicking cancer. Curtis Martin strengthening his people in the neighborhood with fields. Rookie IndyCar driver steering towards STEM, Zach Veach. Roger Federer hitting for Haiti. NFL players putting their best foot forward. The Golden Knights helping Vegas strong. Boston Marathon, $100 million in donation for cancer. LeBron James opening his I Promise school. But here are three. Number three, Pete Freitas starts the Ice Bucket Challenge. The former college baseball player died last week at the age of 34 after a lengthy battle with ALS. He popularized the Ice Bucket Challenge as a way to focus attention on ALS, inspiring an unprecedented outpouring of support for research, estimates ranging above $160 million. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball and its 30 clubs, as well as Minor League Baseball, organized a charity auction at last week's winter meetings that will raise money for five charities related to ALS. Number two, J.J. Watt receiving the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award for his fundraising efforts in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey in 2017. $37 million in 19 days for relief efforts. He started off with his own $100,000 pledge. And before Harvey, 2010, Watt started the Justin J. Watt Foundation in Wisconsin out of a desire to help underserved kids. His personal motto of dream big, work hard culminated into a mission that he continues to use to impact communities worldwide. And finally, number one, sports on the rise. Founded in 2015 by Miami Dolphins Chairman of the Board and Managing General Partner Stephen Ross, RISE, Ross Initiative for Sports and Equality, is a national nonprofit that educates and empowers the sports community to eliminate racial discrimination, champion social justice, and improve race relations. Through partnerships and programs, RISE inspires leaders in sports to create positive change on matters of race and equality. RISE provides leadership programming for student-athletes, coaches, and administrators at every level to equip them with the skills to stand up against racism and other major social causes. That's number one. Again, pick any philanthropy big. The increase of 14% in philanthropic giving over the last couple of years, especially by corporate world and corporate America. And one of the greatest examples is City. Their mission-led partnership with International Paralympics, their Tokyo 2020 presence, their partnership with No Kid Hungry with the Mets, the return of the 44 million yard challenge, an effort to expand first tee in Australia, a number of issues. 
Tina Davis, Managing Director and Head of Global Sponsorship for City, in this role. She's responsible for designing, implementing, and executing City's global sponsorship strategy. She spent more than 13 years at City and led numerous successful programs, the sponsorship of both U.S. Olympic Committee and the International Paralympic Committee, many, many more. Let her explain it during the holiday season, more appropriate you couldn't find. Here's Tina Davis. Rick Carl inside the boardroom beyond the scoreboard and philanthropy broadly defined has increased 12% year over year in the last five years in the trillion dollar business of sports. People are doing things not only because it's the right thing to do, but there's a tremendous benefit from it with the society the way it is. That's leading a lot of efforts, nothing bigger than the year out from the Tokyo Olympics. And we celebrate the Olympics, not only because of what's happening in Tokyo, but also the Paralympics. 41 para-athletes one year out from Tokyo, the roster of city-related athletes unveiled two, three weeks ago in September. But they do so much more as far as the entire landscape is concerned. The mastermind behind it, although I'm sure she doesn't want to give credit but take it but deflect others. She's the managing director and head of global sponsorship, so it doesn't get any bigger than that. Tina Davis, how are you? Very well. How are you, Rick? I am good. You obviously uh, have a tremendous perspective in this world. Uh, UCLA, uh, the board of directors for the Apollo Theater, Park Avenue Armory, figure skating in Harlem, Greenpeace, uh, was at Whedon Kennedy. So obviously you come to City with a lot of experience. And the global sponsorship piece is clearly uh, a, uh, uh, something that a lot of people do uh, traditionally. Many of your sponsorships are much more, let's call them philanthropically oriented quite clearly as well. So so give us kind of the perspective of how City approaches sports sponsorship and why you guys have been so successful. Sure. I, I, you know, in terms of philanthropic, it's less philanthropic and more about this idea of when we go into a city and we're part of a sponsorship that we want to leave something in the community when we leave. We, we try to take our, our sponsorship platforms and turn them into a societal impact, have a societal impact component to them. And where we got to this, or how we got to this, started back in 2012 when, um, you know, coming out of the crisis and uh, it was our 200-year anniversary and we had signed with Team USA uh, to be the, the sponsor of the, of the U.S. team. We did a bunch of research, as, uh, you know, marketers do, and we found out, you know, we wanted to make sure that the American public felt it was okay for us to be a sponsor given, you know, the recent history. And what we found is that they expected banks to be sponsors of Team USA and they expected us to support them. But what they didn't want us to do was to go in, slap our logos on a, on, on a bunch of ads, and then be out after that. They wanted us to leave something in the community and leave something to the Olympic movement. So we took that learning and then we applied it across all the partnerships that we currently have in our, in our portfolio. For instance, at City Field, we have a program for every time a Met hits a home run at City Field, we donate 
2,000 meals to no kid hungry. And then you take something like the President's Cup, which is happening this uh, December in Melbourne, and we're helping them start the, their very first first tea program out of Australia. So when you think about it, it naturally evolved from from our partnership with Team USA, and as we came out of that and we found a tremendous uh, reception to the Paralympic movement and what, it, and what it was doing for our brand and for our colleagues, the, the pride that they felt in it, we then went on to build this International Paralympic Committee partnership where we have 18 National Paralympic Committee partnerships in, in countries around the world, um, and our colleagues are able to leverage those partnerships in the community to demonstrate how city supports the community that we're doing business in. Well, Tina, you're ahead of me on all of this stuff because obviously these are big signature programs for you, and clearly you're all in. Uh, we'll talk about each of them as, you ha as, we, as we go forward, but you're, uh, you, you look like you have at least... 200 million customer accounts in 160 countries and jurisdictions. Obviously, resource allocation is a key, and prioritization is a key, and you've got to do the right thing. And obviously, you have a lot of choices. You want to get all in. The Paralympics is a signature program for you, too. How do you make these kinds of decisions? It, a little bit of ROI, I assume, but gone are the days where the, uh, the uh, you know, ego-driven sponsorships control. So... I assume you do some scientific and metric analysis, and it's it's pretty sophisticated, huh? Oh, sure, yes, very sophisticated. Um, we do our standard, uh, you know, metric analysis and things like that, but we also, you know, we don't look at sponsorships as something off the off the shelf. I, I spend a lot of time talking to my colleagues around the the world and figuring out what are those types of assets that make the most sense. And sometimes those assets do have like a, 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 a clear share of wallet play in them, something like our Live Nation partnership. And then other times there are things like the IPC that are more mission-led and that aren't, aren't necessarily being, we're not necessarily going into that partnership to drive a business, a hard dollar metric, but more drive a brand metric and demonstrate, raise our, our profile and demonstrate that we aren't a bank in these, all these countries around the world that are just there to take. We're actually there to support and to build the community. Um, so it just, it really does depend on what the asset is and what the lines of business are looking for around the world. I think probably one of the keys that, uh, you know, a, a, a lawyer like me talking marketing but really not knowing what I'm talking about focuses on is the the reach the opportunity to uh, maximize the benefits across different platforms, but also across different uh, demographics and countries? In this case, you mentioned the 41 para athletes from 20 countries, your team city, but the idea of the relationship spanning uh, at least those 18 national Paralympic committees and on and on, and when you look at the list of them, it's not just here, it's Ireland, it's Malaysia, it's Colombia, it's Poland, and you can mm -hmm. list the whole number. So it's international reach, but also the perception I assume is that these are dollars well spent as far as the Olympic movement is concerned because the Paralympic movement 
uh, will find those dollars more precious and some would say maybe even more important than traditional Olympic sponsorships. Uh, is, am, I, am, I, am I somewhat right about that? Absolutely. This is a, a, a global program with local activation. And what's important to note, as you did, is a lot of these national Paralympic committees are very small and aren't seeing the kind of dollars that the Olympic Committee programs are receiving, as well as these athletes. You know, for all Olympic and Paralympic athletes, their money time is game time, right? So for these athletes to have sponsors that come in and say, hey, we want to work with you leading up to the game over a period of two years or whatever that, that timeline is, you know, this is helping young people achieve some, time, some type of monetary gain, although it's not about the gain really, but it, it you know, about the money, it is about national pride, but they're able to, to, you know, have some financial assistance that they typically would not receive, especially being Paralympic athletes versus Olympic athletes. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And also you okay. have a lot of diversity in different kind of programs too. Your 44 yes. million yard challenge to expand the first tee uh, to Australia, and it is a kind of kickoff of that program relative to the President's Cup, and it's only three months old, but it's gotten, you know, my attention, and what it does, obviously, is bring attention to the President's Cup, which, uh, uh, given the fact that it's in Australia, it, it, uh, it, 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 uh, it needs a kick, it gets a kick, and City provides the kick, so, you know, kudos again. Yeah, thank you. And and what we liked about the 44 million yard challenge is that it, it's the circumference of the globe, and this is a global event, and it and it reinforces cities' globality, and it allows our colleagues around the world who are aren't in Australia to also participate and support golfers coming out of their regions through the, through the program. So we're always thinking about yes, we're an American-based bank, but we have a global footprint, and how we can engage our colleagues around the world globally, and then reinforce to consumers that we are, you know, we can be their global partner. All right, so let's talk baseball for a second. The, the, the home run uh, uh, relationship, share mm -hmm. summer campaign and the like, the community home runs program, 20,000 meals to kids each time a Met player hits a home run at City Field. Six million meals have made it to yes. those children. Did Alonzo break the budget this year? He, you know what he did. It is two thousand mils per home run. I wish it was twenty thousand, but it's two thousand mils per per Sorry home run. Sorry about that. And I'll that's take, okay. I'll take the blame. That's okay. It could be twenty. It's yes, a big deal. I, I would, I would love if it's twenty. But yes, Alonzo definitely gave us a run for our money. And while we were rooting for him, we we're like, oh, here we go. But it's all good. More kids get meals. So we're we're incredibly proud of what he was able to do this year and our continued partnership with No Kid Hungry. It's a great organization. Broad, broadly defined, Tina, tell me where you think the sports sponsorship business is going trend-wise with social media these days do we have to have more of a uh, grassroots activation plan mm -hmm. where is conventional media in your uh, activation and part of how you drive your business as well you know you're mm -hmm. a trendsetter in the industry and the industry is so rapidly changing so you know you've got to be a classic entrepreneur I assume they pay you enough How's that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that answer. But I, I, you do. You have yeah. your hands full because you, you really have to stay yeah. one step ahead of the curve on all this. 
Right. Well, you know, for me, my background, I actually, before I came to City in this role, I was working at Wyden and Kennedy, um, working on the Jordan brand and, and Nike New York and things like that. So when I came here, I had the, the, the background of creating advertising for sports brands, because I'll just, you know, Nike. And then when um, I was given the opportunity to, to kind of build this centralized sponsorship uh, function here at City, one of the first things I, I said is, look, we're not going to just do what everybody else is doing. We have to do what's right for the business. And I think that the biggest trend for companies now is, one, everyone's got to show some kind of ROO, ROI on these sponsorships and demonstrate how it's supporting the business. A property that, that does not help support the brand or a line of business is a property that's of no value to me. The days are gone where you can, you know, just have sponsorships for the sake of having them. I think, you know, as the marketplace becomes more from a media consumption perspective becomes more fragmented, you really have to try to fish where the fish are. And so we don't develop anything thinking like 60-second, 30-second spot. We develop thinking agnostically about what is, where are our our audience and how are they consuming this particular sport or event and how can we best serve them the right kind of messaging or be the conduit for them to get a bigger and better experience. Um, I also think that in, incentive-based marketing, our sponsorships are, are becoming more and more prevalent. Those things work for those bigger partnerships like the World Cup and F1 or, you know, things like that, that where you can see a real tangible return on, on your investment. And Anheuser-Busch, they're doing a lot of incentive-based um, uh, marketing, testing that out. So that'll be inter interesting to see how that and where that goes, what that leads to in terms of what sponsorships look like going forward. I also think that this idea of exclusivity may be a little antiquated now in some of the larger partnerships, it may make sense, but I think that people are starting to, to see that there's, there's, there is room at the table for maybe more than one partner, and brands just aren't going to be paying that kind of money like they used to in the past. And that's, um, an, that's an interesting way to deal with it, too. And the comment about the Anheuser-Busch testing, to me, sounds like best practices. You may yeah. not sit down at a sponsor roundtable, although there are a lot of those around the country I know and share secrets, but you, I'm sure, are fans of good ideas and share best practices, and the industry is the better for that. Yes, yes, it definitely is. And I know, you know, one of the things that I do love about the International Paralympic Movement is the sponsors are all very collaborative, and, and there's, none of the, there's none of this, I'm going to save mine until we get to the games. Everyone really works together to help elevate, uh, you know, this platform and tell the stories of these amazing athletes. And not only are they just extremely incredible people to watch on, on the field of play, but off the field of play and what they do in their lives is, is pretty spectacular. Finally, Tina, what about the future of sponsorships relative to City and the entire industry? You all are thought leaders as well, but... Five years from now, what is a um, sponsorship of an event, of a facility, of a, of a, a series of events? What, what, what does it look like, and how is it different from today? 
Uh, I think you already have started to see, like, you know, sponsorship, what, what properties and stadiums, venues can used to be able to get to what they can get now for these, uh, for these partnerships are becoming increasingly under pressure to actually show the tangible returns. Not that they didn't in the past, but in, in, a, in a much more meaningful way. I don't, I, I don't believe you're going to see those big numbers. I think all these long-term deals that have like millions upon millions of dollars attached to them, it's going to slowly start decreasing because brands just, they, they can't, they, they're not willing to put that kind of money in sponsorships. I think sponsorships are going to become much more customized and localized, even if it is a global asset. Um, so that, that's going to be a big change. And just because of the way that Consumers are, 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 are consumers are consuming uh, media and sponsorships. That's going to that's going to have a huge impact on on where we go next. We don't know where, you know, uh, um, what is that that virtual reality and all of that kind of stuff. Where you know we don't know what's next. We don't know what's next in two years from now, right? You know, we had 50 years of television, radio, and out of home. And then all of a sudden now we're in this digital age that things are just rapidly changing. But what I do believe is that, that it, the pressure is going to be on venues and partnerships to become much more customized to what brands need. Well, I do know one thing, too. As things evolve, you guys will be on top of it. And uh, Tina uh, Davis, the uh, Managing Director and Head of Global Sponsorships will be leading the way from City. Rick Carl, Sports Professor, speak with you soon. Well, Tina Davis has a lot more initiatives at City, and clearly that is a corporation that is very, very geared to philanthropy, as all are. We're now understanding that doing good is doing great, and we're not only motivated by ROI. We're motivated by doing the right thing. Words to live by as we head into the holiday season Happy holidays, everybody. Our next focus on keeping score is looking ahead to 2020. I'm Rick Haro, and thank you for joining me in Keeping Score. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. Assistance provided by Carlos Swadek, Tanner Simpkins, Reuters Digital. I'm Rick Haro. Thanks again for listening. See you next time on Keeping Score.